Are you ready to overcome the complexities and burdens that come with your success? Join the team at Centura Wealth Advisory in the Live Life Liberated podcast. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Live Life Liberated with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. Derek, what's going on? Eric, so nice to be back with you. And I have uh, one of my favorite colleagues, Sean Clark here in studio. Yeah, these guys Eric. look good. They're on camera and uh, boy, looking looking sharp, gentlemen. Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah. So we're not here to talk about your looks. What are we talking about today? What are you guys teaching me today in the audience? Today, the topic is financial planning, uh, above line planning, below line planning, all the things that people in the wealth management industry term as financial planning. We're going to talk kind of all about the subject today. And the person I brought on is the director of financial planning, knows a lot about this topic and is pretty passionate about it. Sean Clark. Thanks, Derek. Yeah, happy to be here. I think this is a topic, uh, as you mentioned, that I'm passionate about working every day and uh, excited to tell the story here today with you. Awesome. So just as a way for a little background for the listening audience, Sean, why don't you tell the folks how smart you are and what you've accomplished in your life? Well, I've uh, I've got a, a couple of degrees. I've got a uh, undergraduate degree in economics from Clemson University, and I have a master's degree in risk management from New York University. Those have been applied in this industry since 2006, which is when I started working here, uh, or not in this industry, I should say. I started working with a life insurance company. It was really a broker-dealer, life insurance combination, selling life insurance and wrap accounts, things of that nature. Uh, transitioned to a broker-dealer, worked for a couple of insurance companies, and then ultimately here with Centura, which is a registered investment advisor five years ago in 2017 and been working with you ever since. So that's a little bit about me, both from an academic standpoint and a professional standpoint. How about yourself? Yeah. So my background's in finance. got my degree in finance, undergraduate degree, and got my CFP in 2000 and went independent, got in the business in 98. And um, I, my, my father died unexpectedly at 66 from a stroke and saw all the financial professionals and their lives didn't do a very good job. And so after being in the business uh, for only a year, being depressed for a year, I thought this is what I'm going to dedicate my life to is help other families really figure out this stuff to really provide coordinated wealth management services. So that's what I've been doing. I went independent in 2001 and 21 years later, still doing it, still loving it. And uh, yeah, you and I met five years ago and love working on these problems every day. Yep. And I can attest, you are still passionate about it day in and day out and uh, really have one of the strongest uh, fiduciary standards that I've ever, ever witnessed. We'll talk about that, but um, that's a little bit about us and uh, our our work together and what we're doing here at Centura. So with that, let's jump into the, the topic of planning a little bit. Cool. So I think the word financial planning encompasses a lot of different things. Here at our firm, you've kind of really delineated between above line planning and below line planning. Why don't we talk about like what is below line planning? What is it? Who offers it? Uh, how is it helpful? So. Yeah. So I think it would be helpful for us to just contextualize our ideal target in terms of an audience, in terms of who this is applicable for, kind of set some context in terms of what we're going to talk about. And then I was a baseball player in a former life. So I'm going to explain a little bit around what this above the line, below the line planning idea is that we have. 
So um, the clients that we serve here at Centura Wealth Advisory really have a net worth of $10 million and above and or annual income of a million dollars and above. And there's reasons that we focus on that um, demographic, which we'll jump into, but those are the clients that we serve. So in talking to that group of clients, we kind of think about the planning world in a few different ways. There's a firm that I used to work for. And at the time, I was a little bit limited in terms of the products and solutions that we could offer. It was a broker dealer, and they operate under a suitability standard. It's a little bit different than RIAs. But anyway, I said, I I mentioned to my boss at the time, hey, what about this? What about that? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? And the story was, hey, the work we do is good enough. The planning work that we do is good enough. And so that always stuck with me, like good enough, like, I don't know, it just didn't sit well, right? So never wanted to be just good enough, wanted to do stuff that was above and beyond and uh, really things that can move the needle. And in terms of, um, you know, when we when we say that a line, I was a baseball player in a former life and there is a, a term in baseball called the Mendoza line and it would indicated a 200 batting average. And there was a gentleman with the last name Mendoza who year after year never eclipsed that line. And so being a former baseball player and now working in planning, we've kind of adapted that line as being the line of good enough. And so when we talk about above the line and below the line, what we're saying is above the line of what we consider good enough planning And then everything below the line is really the stuff that goes into that good enough concept. So uh, we're going to split that up a little bit and talk about why the above the line planning items really move the needle for our client group and talk a little bit about why this area is underserved in the industry. Okay. So just back to the ideal client, the planning solutions that we put together really serves this ideal client, people with high income and people that have a large enough net worth that can take advantage. So we've kind of said this minimum is a million dollars income and 10 million of net worth. Those are who can really participate in the planning solutions and that can also produce participate in the investment solutions that we offer. And then the, the majority of planning, let's just get into this, what we call below the line planning that most offer. And it comes in four different categories. Why don't we just walk through the four categories? Yeah, perfect. So we split it into four categories, as as Derek said. The first one is cash flow planning. So for folks that are taking income from their investments or are at a certain point where they're looking at income from their portfolio and or different sources, often a cash flow-based plan is appropriate. And many advisors will offer that through various softwares and things like that. Nothing really fancy there. It's just an approach to, um, you know, understanding solving cash plans. Flow. That's right. So that's number one. Second one is goal-based planning. That's a little bit different. Often it can be for folks more in the accumulation phase of their life or targeting certain objectives in the future and the planning tools and software also standard in the industry, but a little bit different in terms of how it approaches the problem versus cash flow. But those are the two types of planning that most firms and advisors will offer, goal-based and or cash flow planning. And the goal base is, am I on track? Yeah, right? what, exactly. Where am I at? Am I on a good path? Am I going to get there? Yep. Okay. And what if I do this? What if I do that? Get some directional accuracy from a decision standpoint. So it doesn't move the needle in changing outcomes. Small, right? Small. It's marginal at best. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What's the third thing in below the line planning? So the third thing is really the the concept of asset allocation and asset location. So ha- what's the mix of investments you have, stocks, bonds, alternatives, that's asset allocation. 
And then asset location is where do you hold these various investments, whether it's taxable accounts, tax deferred accounts, certain types of trusts, those kinds of things. So maybe you can be more efficient in your allocation. Maybe you can be slightly, so from a risk management standpoint, maybe you can be slightly more efficient from a tax perspective in asset location. We don't call that income tax planning. We call that asset allocation and asset location. And maybe it moves the needle a little. I mean, yeah, again, it's marginal at best, right? All these things are small tweaks that done consistently over time can add up to good results. But each time you're looking at them, they're really small incremental improvements one way or the other. So once they've done those three things, they've done cash flow planning, goal-based planning, and asset allocation, asset location, they then turn to a testing, right? Like any good yep. plan, you're going to stress test. That's right. We're going to go to risk modeling, right? And there's different ways to do that. The standard approach in the industry is what's called Monte Carlo simulation. And that's a probabilistic risk forecasting method to give you an idea of the range of outcomes, good, bad, and in between. So just to say, hey, a thousand different outcomes, what would be the likely from you know bottom quartile results, middle quartile results, top quartile result, kind of give you a range of potential outcomes. That's right. We The median is often quoted, which can be interpreted as the most likely. And then there, there's various ranges from there that can be uh, looked at in different ways. And then the follow-up to that would really be um, what I call more stress testing, which is on single factor shocks. Like what if the market had a 60% drop tomorrow? Or what if you lived 10 years longer than we planned? Or inflation's higher than we assumed? Those kinds of large one-off factor shocks. And that can give you an idea of where a plan is exposed to and some areas that you may want to target from either an investment standpoint or tax standpoint, planning, you name it. So to belt and suspender those those areas that may, you may have a weak point in your plan. For sure. So all, no matter where you turn, I would say the vast, vast majority that is planning called financial planning. And at our firm, we think it's important. We think it's not near as important as the things that are above the line that we think move the needle. And so we do this stuff, but we do it after we've really done the above the line planning first. Yep. So those are the four things in below the line planning. Let's get into the three things in the above the line plan. Yep. So the three things in the above the line planning, um, I'll, we'll just hit on them one, two, three, and then we can dig into them. The first one is income tax planning, which is ordinary income or capital gains. The second one is wealth transfer, which includes estate tax, gift tax, and gift generation skipping tax. And the third one is what we call balance sheet optimization. Uh, we'll explain what that means. But those are the three above the line uh, planning items. And I'll just add to what Derek was saying a moment ago. Uh, we do the below the line planning items, the four that we just mentioned. But these three, if you omit them, um, we feel like they're key inputs to the other four components. So how can you be good at the other four if you omit consideration from these three things. So that's why we feel they can really move the needle. Most folks aren't focusing on them and they can really add substantial value, especially when you get into those other four components and look at, am I on track? How am I doing? What could I do? All that kind of stuff. So with that, um, let's talk about those three topics a little bit more. Yeah. So let's get into income tax planning. Oftentimes I hear advisors say we do income tax planning. And when I ask about the process and the tools or what has been implemented, I, I don't get a lot of, you know, it's it's harvesting losses, it's Roth convert. I mean, it's not the high level, what is your process? How are you going to move the needle? If, if, if you pay a million dollars a year, $5 million a year in tax, 
what are the solutions that are going to cut that bill by 20, 40, 60, 80%? What does that look like? And when I when I say something like that, like I usually get a lot of blank stares. The most common response is, well, don't, isn't that what the CPAs do? Like it, that's my CPA's job, Sean. That's right. And a lot of advisors, if you look at the industry uh, since I've been in it since 2006, one of the advisors' um, roles is, is business development. And oftentimes it's it's collaborating and partnering with CPAs to get referrals. And so as an example, many advisors might work with a client and say, oh, for the tax planning, let us uh, let me introduce you to a CPA. And that was just a business development model. So they kind of didn't take that in-house. It became an extension of their services to refer it out and then hopefully use it as kind of a, a business development engine. But what I've found is that it's largely been omitted from the actual practice as a result of this kind of situation. And we can dig into some of the reasons why. But. Yeah. So let's dig into the reasons why, because there's the compliance, right? Doing the, the tax returns and the audits and the compilations and all of that work, which is the compliance work that has to be done. Correct. That's the, that's what CPAs do. That's what a, lar- a lion's share of what they do, right? Correct. Audit and tax compliance. Now, the four, when I... I'm a lot older than you, but when I got out of school, it was a big 10 or 12. Now it's down to the big four, right? The big four accounting firms are Ernst & Young, Deloitte, PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and KPMG. All four now hire CPAs in India to prepare U.S. tax returns. Even regional firms, Moss Adams and others, are hiring CPAs in India. There are not enough CPAs to do the compliance work. Now you're talking about not compliance, doing consulting to help you get a better result. Compliance is tell me what happened. I'm going to get it organized in a way the government says it has to be organized and get it on the returns. Telling you what to do in advance to manipulate the outcome is not offered with the exception of the ultra, ultra wealthy. And when I talk ultra wealthy, I'm talking... $500 $500 million and, dollars and more. Yep. Yeah, I think you're you're exactly right. I mean, systemically, you look at the CPA, it's a, you know, 150 hours that take credit hours that you need. Degree programs are typically 120. So it kind of becomes hard to get that extra portion. You got to work for a firm that offers it or take a double major. There's So there's barriers to entry. You then have a professional exam. And then I don't know if you've seen some of the headlines out there, but during COVID, they called it the accounting rapture. And a lot of people who were in accounting found themselves working long hours and for lower pay than other industries around and kind of said, why am I doing this? Right. Uh, Or saw maybe that they could do something else and didn't need to work the same way. So if you look at the statistics in terms of new entrants of accountants in, it's dwindling. And if you look at the number of accountants who are on the way out, it's a vast majority of the industry. And so uh, this is structurally just creating some imbalance. And I think that's driving the, the shortage that we're talking about. So they have a real problem. In addition, layered on top of that, the government has passed all of these programs. You name the acronym from uh, PPP to ERC, do- doesn't matter the acronym. It, it gets loaded on the CPA's plate to say, and by the way, you got to account for this new thing, figure it out how it works and account for it for your for your business clients. So they're stretched. Providing consulting services is not something most do. Very few do, right? We we find we have found some that are fantastic that do do that, but most in the industry do not. So where else could you look for income tax planning advice? So if it isn't going to come from the CPA community, it would be 
financial advisories firms in, in total, right? Correct. Yep. So now let's look at, well, why aren't they offering? Is Aren't there unbelievable margins in planning? Well, you know, planning is actually, uh, in our opinion, not necessarily a scalable business, particularly the way that AUM is. So. Assets under management. That's right. Asset management services. Correct. So most advisors bill uh, on asset management services and include planning to that. Some may charge differently, but the vast majority of them do that. And, you know, if you bring on a new client from an asset management standpoint, you don't necessarily need a new person to add to the team to service that account. However, with planning, it it is a little bit more onerous in terms of the work that goes in. And you do need more of a one-to-one relationship. When you bring on large clients, you do need someone available to work that and the margins are are lower in that business. Well, let's just look structurally though. Wirehouses, big, you know, they do not want to offer it. They're worried about the lowest common denominator person on the staff gives bad advice and they have an E&O claim. 100%. Insurance companies, they don't want to offer they their margins are in asset management. They don't yeah. want to get into planning. It's not scalable. We don't see huge margins in it. Wells Fargo in 2021 canceled it nationwide, refunded every single engagement. Mm-hmm. So we do not see large firms, no matter you look at insurance companies, wirehouses, where financial planners work. They're not being trained or offering these solutions to help people with these problems. By and large, the answer is pay the tax, bring us the net proceeds. Yep. Clients don't like that answer. No, the clients want better outcomes than that. Right. So it's really about the process. Correct. So this is a, for the most part, accounting is a backward looking process. Tell me what happened. And I will tell you how to prepare the compliance forms to file and tell you what the outcome is. What we're talking about in planning is a forward-looking process, is to take your 2021 tax returns, roll it into 2022, help us with projections at all the different businesses, the pass-through entities, what we think is going to happen if you're going to sell a business or whatever is going to happen, and be able to project and say, okay, this is what I think is going to happen with the client's help. And then getting the CPA that they're working with to roll 2021 data into 2022 tax planning software. And for us to then say, okay, assume that the federal and state income tax rates don't change. What are the outcomes? We call that baseline. If we don't do anything from here, what does it look like? Once we get there, we, we now can say, okay, what are the, based on all the facts, the assumptions and the goals, what tools are we aware of that we can apply against this baseline to get a better result? That's exactly right. So we call it the liberated wealth process. And what Derek's describing is, is what we do for all of our clients. And it's how we quantify what the potential value is that we can provide for clients based on their situation and what we've worked with them to illustrate that's going to likely project over the next five or six years. So, you know, with their help, the ability to kind of paint the picture on the on the future and get buy-in from other professionals really helps clients get clarity on the decision set and the considerations that they have. And 
helps give them you know plenty of runway to make intelligent informed decisions where they can be objective and get really good outcomes on what they're trying to do versus the alternative which is really backward looking as we've kind of been describing and is left with pay the taxes and now what and in our opinion clients can do a lot better and we've really built our process to focus on these clients and that desired illustration of what the future might look like and how to mitigate any potential tax liabilities around that. And it's a full-time job because the law continues to change, strategy continues to change, going to tax conferences, presenting at those conferences, sharpening the saw that we're current edge on what is best, best of breed strategy to mitigate tax. So that's one of the three above line items. We think it adds tremendous value for the people we serve. It um, We do it a lot. We enjoy it. Let's, let's pivot to the second leg of the stool and above the line. Yeah. So second one is wealth transfer plan. Sean, don't estate planning attorneys do that? You know, they do. And they do a, a good job at it. They really are adept at this and they, they are proficient and they cover. Um, there's a whole host of areas that come into estate planning that get into administrative type items and legal compliance structures and setups. So there's really well, enough. What are, they, what are they missing, though? They see so many clients. What's helpful about our process that helps them make better decisions? Well, I think the, the the helpful thing is us giving them that information that we're describing, painting that picture yeah. and giving them the facts, assumptions, and goals so that they can quickly and easily get up to speed and help the clients get good advice. They are often working with incomplete information. That's right. And they do not have time. They don't have the staff to pull together all of the facts, the assumptions, and the goals. I've heard also from estate planning attorneys, you guys are just more creative than our industry is. And so, you know, they do the same thing over and over again, but when we pull it all together and they can see it like, wow, I can be far better optimizing the solution. I can make, I can curate a better outcome for what it is, the goals you're trying to meet because I have better information. Yep, exactly. I think that's been my experience as well in working with clients and collaborating with their estate planning attorneys. And I think clients realize this is a different experience. Yeah. I'm at the center of this and I'm getting a more a better curated response to my concerns. Yeah, they're designing the blueprints for what they want and they're getting professional subject matter expertise where it's appropriate. And I think it puts them in a much more empowered, informed and strong state to make decisions. Great. There's the second leg of the above line. What's the third leg, Sean? Third one's what we call balance sheet optimization. What the heck is that? <laughs> that's uh, that's cleaning up a whole host of items. So coupled with kind of all of these inefficiencies that we've been describing, what we find is there's often a, a host of issues. Some of them can be administrative, some compliance, some just account, you know, registration type items, things like that. Some of them can be big issues that taxes were filed incorrectly or pieces, you know, tax savings were missed, all kinds of different problems. So the debt is in the wrong location or the debt's not optimized or the state distribution. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Correct. The list is really long. So we find lots of problems when we go through the, the facts, assumptions, and goals. We make note of those. And as part of our process, we get everything buttoned up so that there's really good efficiency from an income tax planning standpoint, wealth transfer, and then all the, the four below the line items that we talked about. Because once you have good good facts on those items, uh, the rest of the stuff can become much more clear and more valuable. Yeah. So we find that doing the 
the below the line stuff before the above the line stuff is done. Why, why stress test a plan that's going to change a bunch? Why show you what the goal attainment is going to be? We need to do this above line stuff. Figure out how we're going to really mitigate your income tax. Mm -hmm. How are we going to eliminate half of it for the rest of your life? Wow. Is that possible? Very possible. Let's take a look at its facts and circumstance dependent. Let's make sure your wealth transfer plan really meets your goals. What's going to go to family? What's going to go to charity? What's going to go to the government? Make sure that that's optimized in a way that you really want it. Clean up the messes and balance sheet optimization to get it more efficient. Once we've really done those things, that typically takes two, three years minimum, maybe four, five. Then we do the below the line planning stuff that's helpful, but that's not, you know, that's just saying, hey, are we really on track? This is the stuff that really makes a measurable difference in your wealth. Yeah, it can change outcomes. Um, it can make, you know, all the differences in a, in a lot of different scenarios. We've seen it happen. So for sure. Well, closing thoughts about financial planning, income tax planning in the financial planning industry, Sean. What, what well, yeah, I think my closing thought, we talked about, you know, financial planning is not necessarily a high margin business, but I think it's incredible. It, it's maybe the most highly valuable part of the business for clients. I think the clients that I've worked with when they've gone through our experience and kind of gone through what we're describing, particularly around the tax planning, it's an entirely unique and different experience. And so if I had to compare and contrast that against you know, let's just take investments as an example. You know, if you're managing someone's money and you outperform the benchmark for, it might take 10 years, five years of outperformance in order to gain some substantial trust and add value to that client situation. But I've found that financial, you know, planning around taxes can be much more immediate and substantial. So the value could be three, five, 10, 20 X, and it can be realized in the next six months, 12 months, you know, 18, 24, six years, whatever it may be, but it's a much larger, um, it's not delayed gratification. You're saying instant gratification in this instant gratification society. That's right. Yeah. It aligns much more with that. And so folks get excited about that. They tell their friends, they tell their, you know, colleagues and peers who are in similar situations. They like to spread value like that. And I've found it's something that people just get immense value out of. And I get really excited working for them because of that and trying to find uh, solutions to these, these tax issues that arise in all these different scenarios. So it's a lot of fun to work with folks to figure out the problems. And I think it can really uh, move the needle in terms of outcomes for clients. For sure. I would say my closing thought is a couple. First, in finding people who do that, my advice, they always ask me, well, who, you know, who should I, if I'm not going to hire you guys, how, how should I go about interviewing them? You should interview them about their process. Tell me about your process. Most have a good process for gathering facts, assumptions, and goals, but you're going to find, is it one inch deep and a mile wide, or are they really going deep? And then what's the process to get to solutions? And then what are the common, some common solutions? They should name a few based on your profile. So I think that's good diligence by you, the investing public. And then the closing thought is, this is just darn hard work. (laughs) Um, It's curating individual solutions for each individual estate because no estate has the exact same facts, assumptions, goals. So with that, we are going to cede the rest of our time back. We want to really thank you, the listening audience, for listening to, to us today. 
and uh, we're going to throw it over to Eric. I'm telling you what, guys. Yeah, this has been fantastic. Um, I love the three-legged stool analogy I always have. It's so much better than a two-legged stool, much easier. <laughs> so I appreciate that. And guys, here, here, the bottom line is this, is somebody's out there listening to this going, man, I know that my neighbors are similar to my situation, but they don't have all this complexity that I do. And probably, I think most people think that, right? So give them some contact information so they can start this journey with you because it's vitally important that they understand that they're not alone, but they're, they're definitely unique. Fantastic. You can email me. It's D Myron, D M Y R O N at Centura wealth, C E N T U R A wealth.com. And Sean, why don't you give him your email? Mine is S Clark, S C L A R K at centurawealth.com. And feel free to contact me there as well. Perfect. Thank you again, gentlemen. Appreciate your time. All right. Thank you, Eric. You bet. And of course, our last thank you always goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the team comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Centura Wealth Advisory, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Centura Wealth Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Centura Wealth Advisory, Centura, is an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in San Diego, California. Centura and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration and notice filing requirements imposed on SEC-registered investment advisors, in which Centura maintains clients. Centura may only transact business in those states in which it is notice filed or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from notice filing requirements. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Tax relief varies based on client circumstances and all clients do not achieve the same results. 